right, Paleo Hackers, with me today on the other end is a face you probably recognize. He's been in the game from the, from the start, author of the Primal Blueprint bestselling book and founder of Mark's Daily Apple. Mark Sissima, man, it's good to have you here. It's great to be here, Clark. Thanks for having me. Definitely on the top of the list when you're starting a Paleo or Primal podcast. You got to get the Sisson himself on, on the other line, so... I guess. Yeah, it's good you're over there, man. Um, and, and you know, I'm excited today to talk about a lot of things basic and more complex. I guess we'll see where it goes. So you've you've been in it from the start. You know, it was kind of you, Dr. Cordain, who we had on here, Rob Wolf. I mean, you guys were kind of the original, for lack of a better word, weirdos doing the cave yeah. stuff and, yeah. you know, getting back to the basics. But now you see, like, the mainstream really grabbing a hold of this with uh you know costco can't keep books on the shelf right and uh, dr oz talking about celebrities what's kind of like your take uh, being someone who's been there from the start seeing this progression i mean i think it follows a normal progression of uh uh, fringe lunatic uh people who are you know receptive to a new idea who are willing to do the research to confirm that there's some merit in that idea who are um willing to write about it and take a stand on it, which which Rob was and Lauren was and I was. And let's not forget Art Devaney. I mean, Art's been a big, uh, he was one of my mentors early on in this whole movement. Uh, and from there, you know, if we've, it's, it basically comes down to who has the loudest voice or who's willing to, to put it out there the most. And I think that, that you know, I, that's one of the things that I've wanted to do was uh, build an audience and build a, build a, a brand within the paleo community to, um, to, to espouse my ideas and to share this, what I think is an amazing kind of technology, although it's really old tech, uh, you know, that, that essentially everyone can benefit from. So as the movement grows and people tell each other about how the, the, the amazing results they're having from, uh, you know, living this way, um, you know, more and more people come on board and are willing to take on the lifestyle, not just for a 30 day period, but, you know, they claim sure. that they're going to do this for the rest of their lives so it it's it's a natural growth pattern of this kind of movement i think sure and yeah it's getting towards more long term and out of uh fad territory right when something's getting really hot people are so quick to jump on it and then the critics come and say it's a fad it's a fad it's a fad and uh, but you're saying that the whole paleo primal movement is here to stay yeah i mean i <clears throat> certainly for for those of us who are um who who gotten the results and are and are continuing to um live the lives that uh we you know we always wanted as a result of having taken on this way of eating this way of living this way of moving this way of sleeping uh i don't think there's any going back i mean the sort of a good news bad news thing you know the good news is we now have some secrets that we have uncovered as to how to turn on certain genetic expression that would lead us in the path of health and fitness uh, the bad news is that if we go back to our old ways, we have no one to blame but ourselves. We can no longer blame, you know, uh, conventional wisdom, society, the doctors, the medical establishment or any of that, because we, we really know better now. And that's uh, with with this more education comes a responsibility to to live this way and to, and to and not just for yourself, but for your family and for your friends. Absolutely. Let's take a step back and kind of define what we're talking about for someone this is their first call it's their first time tuning in what the heck are these two guys getting all pumped up about what is primal yeah well primal is my brand within the paleo realm uh, of a lifestyle 
that is that basically encompasses not just a diet, an ancestral diet, but other patterns that are that are mimicked throughout uh, life, like uh, sun exposure and sleep and play and using your brain, uh, uh, you know, and responsibility and accountability uh, and transparency. And a lot of these things, you know, are, are kind of buzzwords that people have used for a long time, but I've sort sure. of synthesized them into one kind of lifestyle template that I offer uh, so that people can and not just uh, say, well, I just want to pick the diet and I'll, I won't do the rest of it. If you pick the diet, even in the paleo realm, if you start eating paleo, but you don't have your sleep dialed in yeah. or you haven't handled your gut biome, then you're not going to get the kind of results that you thought you were going to get just from the diet. So to be fair to say, you're asking a lot more from your readers and the people who follow you is that you're asking them to take on a lifestyle really and commit rather than just the diet aspect. Right. And I'm not asking anybody to do anything. I'm offering some potential um, ideas some potential solutions to what may have been frustrations or sure. problems that they might have had over the years trying to, you know, I think everybody wants to do the right thing. I mean, everybody wants to be healthy and fit and lean and, and, uh, you know, strong and productive and loving, yeah. but we sort of get lost in our ways. And what the primal blueprint has always been about is uncovering, uh, these hidden genetic switches that we have. And it's, and, and then, showing people how they could access or manifest some of these life benefits that they're looking for through the application of this, for lack of a better word, technology that we've developed. It's amazing, too, when people start getting into this stuff with diet and fitness, that's what they do. They want to compartmentalize things and they want to say, "Okay, I'm just going to focus on this diet. Tell me the five foods I need to eat to lose weight or tell me, you know, the amount of weight I need to lift, the exercise I need to lift. They don't really take that holistic approach. Uh, and that is really where what you're saying, I think, is is you get the majority, pretty much all the results. It's not going to work if you don't do the whole thing. You can't uh, one foot in, one foot out it and just isolate everything individually and get the best results possible. That's true. But I, I mean, I think a lot of times people start with the easy stuff. Give me the five things that I should not be eating. You know, give me the, the five basic exercises I should be doing. And a lot of times that's that's enough. That's a foot in the door. Uh, that's enough for them to start to get some results and go, wow, there's something to this. I'm noticing changes. What's next? And that's really the, yeah. you know, that uh, what I'm looking for within the Primal Blueprint. And we just rebranded the tagline of the company to it's called Primal Blueprint Live Awesome, because really what we all want is we just all want to live an awesome life. We all want to experience not just health and energy and fitness, but we want to enjoy the most of every moment possible. We want to enjoy every bite of food. We want to enjoy movement patterns. We don't want to just go to the gym and puke in a bucket and think that we had, you know, had a great workout. I mean, some of us might want to do that, but, but the reality is if there are a way to, to achieve some fitness regimen by having fun, wouldn't that be, sure. you know, wouldn't, wouldn't that fit your life more? So, uh, things like enjoying sleep as opposed to apologizing for, for, Oh my God, I, I got nine and a half hours. I feel great, but I, I feel somehow guilty because I got nine and a half hours of sleep last night. Don't apologize. You know, you just did yourself a huge favor. You should enjoy that sleep. You should you know, relish in that those last uh, twenty minutes of sleep or whatever. Yeah. So we're looking for we're looking for ways to help people thoroughly enjoy their lives from moment to moment. And to live awesome is that the Malibu coming out? That's the Malibu coming out. Yeah. Live awesome. Yeah. Grab the surfboard, go live awesome, and sleep till noon. Yeah. Well, sleep till I don't know about sleep till noon, but yeah. uh, it's basically don't you know don't stay up till noon. It's basically the right. I think the, yeah right. 
So let's, again, for the person, this is their first call. They're hearing about primal, paleo. If you had to distill it down, and I know it's more complex than this, but to get very basic before we start going into some more complex ideas like hormones and sleep and all this stuff, just the nutritional aspect or wherever you want to go with it, what would you say are maybe three or five things that you really center on with living awesome? Well, you you center on getting rid of the toxins in your diet. So you get rid of the sugars, you get rid of the, the processed grains. And so now what does that comprise? Well, that's, you know, the soft drinks, the sweetened beverages, even some of the fruit juices that people are plowing down thinking they're healthy. Yeah. Are you getting rid of the uh, desserts? So the pies and cakes and candies and things like that. You're getting rid of the, um, the processed grains. So that would be bread, pasta, cereal, uh, things like that. Uh, and then you're getting rid of the industrial seed oils, things that contain canola or corn oil or soybean oil, um, you know, highly modified, partially hydrogenated oils, polyunsaturated fatty acid type oils like that. Those are the things to get rid of. And it's really, so it's really more about what you're not eating in many cases than what you are eating that where the benefits come from. And then from there, you, so, you sort of compile a list of all the things you can eat. And it turns out a pretty big list of really tasty foods. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next, the next thing I'd say is, um, is that while I'm, I'm sort of, you know, finding ways to optimize my exercise routine with the least amount of work possible, I still think you should move uh, a lot every day. So find ways to move around throughout the day, whether that's at a stand-up desk or a treadmill desk, or whether that's taking frequent breaks and going around, you know, you're just taking a walk outside your office, uh, whether it's going to the gym after work or before work, but find ways to move around uh, a lot and then do a couple of, uh, you know, high intensity, short burst exercises twice a week. Okay. Basically full stop. So those, you know, eliminating those three, those three groups of foods, moving around a lot at a low level of, of aerobic activity, not becoming a couch potato in other words, and then finding a couple of times a week where you do some intense lifting of either heavy things or sprinting. Got it. Got it. So the diet is you're moving stuff, getting back to eating clean. And then the movement aspect, which goes hand in hand without getting into some more lifestyle stuff, is uh, slow, consistent, and then a, cap- a couple of high-intensity sessions to really maximize it. Uh, yeah, and the more, the more you can find ways to, to put play in there, whether it's uh, you know chasing a Frisbee with your dog or – not that your dog's going to throw you a Frisbee, but you know what I mean yeah. – uh, or uh, – <laughs> Or going for a hike, or I, you know, I do a lot of stand-up paddling. That's my sort of go-to play movement. Um, you know, or it's a pickup basketball game at lunch. Uh, you know, whatever it is, find ways to to bring play into your life, not just for the movement, but also for the stress release. And also with play comes mindset of um, you know, like the positive mindset of when you take on something like removing the toxins, framing it as you're removing toxins. You're not depriving yourself of birthday cake. I think when you get in that mindset of deprivation, it gets kind of dangerous and you start um, hating the diet that you're on and and not really realize, not framing it in the right light. No, I think that's really important. I mean, we, we, we do talk a lot about uh, in the Primal Blueprint about getting rid of the toxins, but then figuring out all the wonderful things that you can a- add back in. And Within the Primal Blueprint, as opposed to a lot of the original paleo prescriptions, um, you know, we're, we're not so down on legumes, for instance. We're certainly not down on dairy if, you're, if it's appropriate for you. Certain types of dairy, butter, ghee, um, whole cream, even raw milk and artisanal cheeses are okay for a lot of people. So we're trying to include back as many of those 
taste sensations um, and those kind of foods that are not just tasty but also helpful that we could add back in um, and looking for um, a an eating strategy where and again I'll, I'll make it clear that I, you know I I never put a bite of food into my mouth that doesn't taste awesome. So I mean if I I won't eat something just because it's healthy even though it might taste nasty but it's healthy I'm, I'm not interested. So the food has to be very tasty and helpful for me to you know to cuz I want to enjoy every bite of food that I eat. Um, and I think you know if you if you do the math and you get rid of the toxic sort of foods and you if you do enough research and read enough on my site or on Rob's site or on any of the hundreds of other sites now you'll you'll realize quite quickly there are a lot of foods in here in, in our lives that are not doing you any favors. So just be okay with getting rid of those. And in, not forever, you know, but just getting rid of them as a main staple of the diet. It doesn't mean you can't have a piece of birthday cake uh, once in a while, or you can't, you know, have a half a glazed donut if it's if, if that serves you. Sure. Um, but what people find is that the more they clean up their diet and clean up their act, then when they go back to eating that sort of stuff, it really affects them. They really notice it either uh, in their energy levels, they might be, they might become bloated. Uh, they might have, uh, uh, stomach issues the next day. So you sort of learn where, you know, what, how much, another thing that I like to, to sort of teach is learn what you can get away with. I mean, if you can get away with eating a little bit more sugar than somebody down the road, who's predisposed to type two diabetes. Okay, do it. You know, don't, don't just avoid sugar full stop because, you know, Mark Sisson said sugar's a toxin. Yeah. A little bit of it isn't going to kill you. It isn't going to, you know, um, uh, derail your efforts if you, can, if you know what you can get away with. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because I think one of the biggest critiques people get in this scene, whether it be paleo, primal, eating clean, whatever, is that it's unrealistic, is that it's almost like elitist and dogmatic and that Anyone who eats the half glazed donut is, uh, you know, going against everything and they should be shunned or they don't like to talk about kind of those lack of better word, 80, 20. So you're doing 80 percent very clean and that 20 percent that you do that's maybe not so clean. People act as if they don't do that. Right. Like they're 100 percent the whole time. Yeah. And what I found is the people who are the most almost dogmatic and closed off about that little 20 percent there tend to have the biggest um, almost unhealthy relationship with food. It's, it's directly correlated. Like, like if you're so 100% preachy about it, then I've always found that you're the person stuffing your face with Ben and Jerry's late at night. You know, like that was me. That was, I was very preachy, very dogmatic, 100% of the time. And then I had all these unhealthy eating habits where I would, you know, binge out and uh, do all that stuff. Do you, do you find that as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I think we... This is this comes down to um, a lifestyle and a way of living that's sustainable, and the relationship that you have with food is a very important. Hey, hey, <laughs> one sec. Uh, let me let the cat out. He jumps in the window occasionally. Yeah. There he is. There, hey. That's funny. Yeah. So anyway, we're. Um, Oh, there we go. He says, hi, Mark's Daily Apple. <laughs> What's up, cat? He says, I want my primal cat food. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so back to the whole dogmatic uh, part of, of uh, the, or the concept of, or, you know, orthorexia and this notion that we have to be 
mindful, you know, all the time. Well, we do have to be mindful, but mindful doesn't mean necessarily being so strict and dogmatic that that uh, you can't allow yourself a little leeway. Mindful just means knowing that every 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 move that you make, you are you've already thought out the consequences. You've already done a risk benefit analysis, and you've and 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 if the if the short term pleasure is going to be greater than any of the long term risks, you know, then why would you not just partake of a, that glazed donut? I mean, it really one of the other strategies that we teach in the Primal Blueprint is this this ability to eventually go through your life making mindful, intuitive choices on the fly. So you don't have to stop and go, okay, what did Mark say in chapter six about, uh, you know, this type of food or this type of chronic cardio or whatever? No, it's just being able to, to make decisions in the moment that, that uh, serve you, that um, hopefully give you pleasure and don't detract from your health or your fitness uh, downstream. Uh, and, and to do so without guilt or remorse, because that's sure. the other thing that people have is like, if you're, strict all day, you know, and then you find yourself slamming down at Ben and Jerry's at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Now you got guilt, you know, that's factors in here. I was so good all day. Damn it. I just, I, I screwed up and I'm a bad person. And it's just, life shouldn't be about that. Right. It's double too. Uh, Cause you get the guilt of what you should be doing, right? Like you should be eating the health food or you shouldn't be eating this Ben and Jerry's. And then you also have the guilt afterwards, which is just as bad, arguably, uh, mentally for what yep. you're doing. And so there. Um, so is there anything kind of uncommon that you guys do over at Primal? Like, what's one thing that maybe other people aren't doing that you guys incorporate a lot of? You know, I, I, uh, is that a leading question? Do you have do you, have you heard something? I don't know what we're doing. It's no, different. no. I was, I was just curious. I like yeah. asking people kind of yeah. what, what thing... Uh, Almost like the most like uncommon advice they give people, like the unique. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, our 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 advice is, you know, don't don't sweat the small stuff, don't worry about it, live awesome, and make make mindful decisions, but do so with this idea that um, that life's too short to be agonizing over the mistake you just made, or or to be um, having to, to to take out a reference book for every move you're going to make, and and figure out where that where it falls on the spectrum. I mean, I think people ought to be. You know, like I say, looking for the greatest amount of pleasure, the most amount of opportunities throughout the daytime, you know, within obviously within reason, don't, yeah. don't let it affect somebody else. But, um, but you know, this is, this is really why we're here is to extract the most out of life. Okay, cool. You talk a lot about hormones, whether it be in your book or your site. And I know that's a hot button issue within the health field right now or, or topic rather. And right. people are talking a lot about, you know, insulin or cortisol or testosterone or whatever the hormone is they're talking about. They get discussed a lot. So can you kind of break down hormones and how they affect us in our life? Sure. So the body, uh, you know, we're a sort of a response mechanism and we're trying to always, uh, we've been designed through evolution to, to be, in a homeostasis, in a try to maintain an even balance throughout a lifetime and not swing too much one way or the other. Over over long periods of time, gene expression will manifest itself in um, increased muscle growth and increased uh, bone density or decreased bone density or increased fat storage or whatever. Um, it changes in mood. But in the short term, the, it's hormones that have this immediate impact. So what I like to say is every bite of food has a hormonal impact on your body. And when you look at the cascade of hormones, I think I, I've always thought that insulin sort of is, a, is the sort of top of this whole insulin pyramid. 
and the one that we really need to pay the closest attention. And if you can do what it takes to keep insulin in control, then all the other hormones tend to fall into place. But we have insulin, um, we have glucagon, which is sort of its counter-regulatory hormone. We have leptin and ghrelin, which are sort of counter-regulatory. We have testosterone, estrogen. We've got uh, cortisol. We've got um, uh, norepinephrine, epinephrine. We've got all these different hormones that are that are sort of um, being turned on or off by the foods that we're eating. By by a, a just some of your cat just uh, jumped up on the screen, and and a couple of people would have gone whoa and and had a little jolt of um, of adrenaline there. Yeah. That's a hormone that's responding to an immediate situation, and that's how the body sort of evens itself out. So that that little fright of that giant cat appearing on the screen he was a big guy uh, yeah. yeah um you know uh over the short term you get a rise in in um adrenaline which is you know uh, it, it's a sympathetic hormone and we're gonna we're gonna see what we're gonna do to to uh get out of the situation immediately but then there's a rise in cortisol cortisol will will last a little bit longer and that'll have some effects on tearing down um certain muscle tissue or increasing the amount of of, of glu- glucose that we make through gluconeogenesis decreasing uh, fat burning. There are all these cool things that are happening as a result of these little transient events that are that are going on within our bodies every second of every day. And so, balancing the hormones out uh, becomes kind of a um, a subtext, if you will, of our intent on living an awesome life. And to go back to how do you balance the hormones out? Look, we're designed to do this, so we're designed to eat certain foods that don't raise insulin for the most part. Um, and if we do eat in, historically, if we ate a you know a big cache of uh, of sweet food or honey or something like that, um, our bodies would respond respond hormonally with the production of stored body fat, uh, with uh, you know uh, uh, changes in blood pressure, whatever that came as a result of that. These are all things that were that we were designed over evolution to respond to because of a scarcity of food and a and a, and a survival of the fittest sort of thing like I every day every moment was about survival right we don't live in that kind of a world anymore so the hormones and those all those response mechanisms that we developed over years to keep us alive in the moment and keep homeostasis now we sort of have to figure out how do they play into uh, long longevity and long-term strategy because we don't want to be under stress every minute of every day you know that cortisol was there because once in a great while we'd have a life-threatening situation we'd have to deal with it now we create stress in our lives because of mortgage payments, because of um, bad traffic. Food, traffic, bad food choices, uh, noisy neighbors, uh, unruly kids, whatever it is, um, giant cats. Uh, and we, uh, so we, we run the risk of abusing this hormone system because it's there, and yet we've created an artificial means of throttling it uh, way too far forward or way too far back. So Chris, um, go ahead, sorry. No, you go, you go ahead. So it creates the same response as it did back in the day, but obviously different stimuli. And so the thing yeah. where, you know, the big cats back in the day chasing you down, it created that adrenaline and cortisol spike, whatever, has the same effect today as the guy who's in the Prius cutting you off in traffic down I-5. Yeah. And and it's the same kind of response and we're still being affected by it. And but I think it's not life-threatening, but it's not right. life-threatening, except that over a long period of time, these hormones manifest themselves in upregulation, downregulation of of genes, which in turn can cause us to deposit plaques uh, in our arteries as a result of that kind of stress, yeah. or that, or that cause us to, uh, you know, to to kill off the the healthy bacteria in our gut because of stress. 
or because of a bad food choice. So back to the original premise, which is if you can keep insulin sort of in line with food, um, then all these other hormones fall into place. Uh, but another example would be testosterone and growth hormone. You know, we don't, if we sit around all day, the body goes, hey, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to build any muscle um, because the tendency of the human body is to conserve energy. Uh, back, going back millions of years, if you, if you needlessly wasted energy by running around doing nothing, that was just foolish because energy was so precious. Well, today we have to trick the body by running around and doing nothing like on a treadmill uh, or by playing playing a game, yeah. uh, we have to trick the body into thinking, okay, we better be prepared for the next uh, the next bout of this exercise by upregulating testosterone, upregulating upregulating growth hormone, building more muscle, and being prepared for that next time, or maybe even uh, bone density. A lot of a lot of people, you know, who are um, not paying attention have low bone density because they're not doing weight bearing activity. Yeah. Well, that's just again, you've got to you've got to give the body a reason to get denser bones because it's using resources to build those bones. And if you don't do that, your bones become brittle. And then you get up in the middle of the night to go take a leak and you trip over your cat. It seems to be the theme of the show today is cats, but it's, and, and you break a hip and then you go to the hospital because you don't have appropriate lung function or muscle mass to support, uh, you know, cardiac requirements and, and lung function. You get pneumonia, you can't cough out the sputum and you die all because you didn't do weight bearing activity or, or balancing movement. You know, to prevent you from tripping and falling and breaking a hip in the first place. You're going to break a hip, get pneumonia, and die if you don't do weightlifting, people. That's. I mean, I wanted to do a T-shirt or a you know a poster. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, for sure. If you don't forget, my girlfriend squats more than you do. This is a better <laughs> one. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, though. It's it's a central point, and you know, we were talking earlier about stress and how it comes from all different areas, and not to jump around too much, still focusing on hormones, but. I mean, obviously, in this day and age, we have things that shouldn't stress us out again, like that Prius that's cutting us off or these ridiculous stressors. It might be a chronic stress like the job you hate or the boss that sucks or the relationship that's toxic. And so you can have kind of the best diet in the world, eat clean and get enough sleep and all this stuff that will help. But ultimately, there's other things that you have to focus on and uh, and really pay attention to that can be affecting you as much, if not more than just what you're eating. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, life is, life is certainly more than just about food. Uh, in fact, um, we, we sort of try to get people to understand that, um, you know, you don't even need to eat as often as you thought you needed to eat. And people get so caught up in, in food running their lives, um, hunger running their lives. So, you, you know, the number of people that I know that will finish lunch and go, okay, that was awesome. What's for dinner? Yeah. Like, Seriously, dude. I mean, you got there's so much more going on in life right now that um, that's fun and colorful and gratifying and provides satisfaction and contentment. Why don't we go seek some of those other things rather than constantly coming back to food being the biggest sensory re- reward that we could possibly think of for ourselves? Yeah. And when you can when you can get out of that space and, and get into thinking, yeah, absolutely pr- appreciate food, but also appreciate appetite and hunger. And when you're not hungry, don't eat. It's pretty much that simple. And what that does is that frees you up to then start to bring in an appreciation of other aspects of your life. Uh, Again, wake up and smell the coffee, but wake up and smell the roses, hear the birds, uh, you know, go outside for a walk, uh, move around in, in as many planes of action and rotation as you can get your body through. And then what happens is you start to become attuned 
to some of these other pleasures, these sensory pleasures that are available that people tend to otherwise just shut out and say, you know, really, it's just about feeding my face with food because that's the only thing that, 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 that I really respond to and gives me immediate gratification and satisfaction. You can get out of that rut, then you start to see there are a lot of other things that can give you gratification and, and satisfaction that are not food. Yeah. And a lot of times, too, the reason people are eating is either hormonal issues or for um, non-hunger reasons, whether it be, you know, they're stressed and they get that. So talk a little but that's bit. That's interesting, though, yeah. that that's, those are still hormonal reasons because a lot of times people are eating because they've, um, uh, you know, they're not making some of the neurotransmitters, you know, the serotonin uh, and, and that whole mechanism that, that sort of governs mood versus, de, you know, good mood versus depression, um, they're eating to sort of address that hormonal imbalance because they haven't addressed it in other areas of their lives. So there are, it, it, it's sort of funny because even those people who are eating for um, comfort food reasons are still eating largely because of some neurotransmitter or hormonal imbalance that is driving them in that direction. Do you think hormonal imbalances are the biggest problem most people are facing? Well, I, I mean, think, yeah, that, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way or haven't recently thought about it that way. But if you, if you looked at, if you had to distill it down to what is it about people that is causing this frustration and not allowing them to regain good health, yeah. it's probably some, um, we, we call it metabolic damage because we talk a lot about leaky gut and that being an issue. But but ultimately, at, at its base element, in many cases, is probably this sort of a hormonal imbalance. It's a, and 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 in many cases may come down to you know leptin, ghrelin, glucagon, insulin, but also um, uh, you know the, the neurotransmitter, the dopamines, uh, the serotonin-like uh, substances, and things like that. So you said earlier that insulin's kind of the kingpin hormone that everything else like if you focus on insulin things seem to fall into place with if, it. If you do yeah, if you do what it takes, if you if you live a life that that at least from a dietary standpoint that that allows you to get insulin under control, it it seems that everything else comes under control as well. Okay. And what what are some basic like quick tips or lifestyle changes people can do to start getting insulin under control? Well, the first thing is you, you. I think to go away from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner. So we are we're born with this wonderful recipe that wants us to derive most of our energy from stored body fat uh, moment to moment throughout the day. And yet, because of our access to unlimited supplies of carbohydrate, we sort of go on to this sugar bend that lasts a lifetime for a lot of people. And as a result of that, the body gets a signal continuously that there's never going to be a need to tap into body fat stores to burn off stored body fat. Hey, we got plenty of glucose coming every two or three hours all day long. So let's downregulate um, our, our mitochondria. We don't need them to burn fat that much. Let's just uh, assume that we're going to have lots of glucose. And, and in the event that we don't have glucose, we're going to get cranky and moody and depressed and start to go into uh, you know some catabolic state. But that's the way it's going to be. Well, I think that's you know, that, that's been a big problem for a lot of people. So we teach this strategy of how to become a fat-burning beast and how to reprogram your genes so you upregulate all the enzyme systems that are involved in accessing stored body fat and burning stored body fat, increasing the number of mitochondria so you are re reliant less and less on glucose as a substrate, an energy substrate throughout the day. When you become this fat-adapted person that we talk about and you become more adept at, at burning for instance, some of the ketone bodies that are created as a result of becoming fat adapted, you become less reliant on glucose. When you become re less reliant on glucose, 
your blood sugar swings don't go all over the place throughout the day and cause you, you know, you get steady supply of energy throughout the day. You don't get hungry as often. And that's the key element right here. So when you don't get hungry, um, one of the things we talk, like what I do is I wake up in the morning, I'm not hungry. I'm pretty good at burning fat. So I don't, I don't feel the need to cram a bunch of food down my gullet just because it's breakfast. Yeah. So I have a cup of coffee and I usually go till noon or one before I eat my first meal. That's when I'm hungry. That's when it's going to benefit me the most with the full knowledge that throughout that morning, I've got all the energy I need. I'm going to go to the gym after this and I'll do a workout. Um, I'll come back um, and I'll wait an hour or two because I still won't be hungry. And then I'll have lunch. But all that time, I'm preserving muscle. I'm uh, burning off stored body fat. Um, I'm optimizing insulin because, in fact, I had a you know a blood blood work done a couple weeks ago. Ins- my insulin was fasting. Insulin was two, which is pretty. It's it's low enough that somebody who didn't know what I was doing would be concerned that it was too low. But that's what that's where I like it. Uh, so if you can become good at burning fat and less reliant on sugar and carbohydrate and move around a lot, you will become insulin sensitive. Your body. Dig that insulin is a is a signaling uh, molecule. It needs it needs a receptor to even talk to. So there's a transmitter and a receiver. And if you have lots of good uh, receivers planted around your body that are very adept at receiving signals, you don't even need that strong a signal. So you you don't produce that much insulin because your receptor cells or the receptor sites on the cell are very uh, attuned to even small changes in insulin. This is uh, another skill that we develop in the Primal Blueprint become, by becoming good at burning fat and less reliant on glucose. Okay. And so with those receptors then, what are some things you do? Can you increase the amount or can you increase their sensitivity? Yeah, well, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know uh, what I would do to increase the amount of them because one of the things that's sort of interesting about, about this whole uh, interplay between these uh, transmission molecules and these receptor sites is that is that you don't need a lot of receptor sites to, um, uh, to you know, to, to get the work done, to, to make the signal known and to, and to cause the genetic regulation, the upregulation, downregulation that you're seeking or any of the short-term changes. So it's really not even about increasing necessarily the number of receptor sites. Okay. It's just increasing the, uh, the sensitivity of them. That's this whole insulin sensitivity issue that we talk about. Right. When those receptor sites become resistant, doesn't matter how many you have. If they're resistant, then then the message is not going to get through. Um, when you when you have insulin resistance, the insulin can't talk to the cells, can't tell the cells to accept glucose and other nutrients from the bloodstream. The cells are going, hey, look, we're full, yeah, no room up. here. Yeah. They're clogged up. You know, send them off to the fat cells, or just let them clog up in the, in the okay. bloodstream. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really simple terms. That's making a lot of sense for for the people at home. I know it is for me. And so, uh, with the insulin resistance, then that's basically because of the excess carbohydrates that we just keep flooding and flooding and flooding, and it clogs it up, and um, and then it ships it off to the fat storage. Yeah. So, I mean, you can find people who are very insulin uh, sensitive and don't get insulin resistant. I used to be one uh, when I was an athlete. I would take in a thousand grams of carbs a day. But because I was constantly running at a high RPM, literally yeah. running uh, you know, 100 miles a week, um, lifting weights, working out hard every day, I was churning through all of that glucose. Um, I, hadn't, I was not that good at burning fat, even though I was an endurance athlete. So I needed a lot of glucose in the form of carbohydrate incoming uh, right. every day. Uh, but I was still fairly insulin sensitive because uh, you know, I did, I, my blood sugar 
my blood work would have shorn, shown a sort of a relatively normal A1C. Um, it would have shown, uh, you know, normal fluctuations in blood glucose throughout the day. But um, I was still plowing through a lot of carbs. So you can find people who do that. The best way to do this, though, is to is to figure out what's the least amount of carbohydrate you can you can get by with in a day. And a lot of people who start out would say, look, if I just give up the sugars, the pastries, the, the candies, the cookies, the grains, and, and I'm eating meat, fish, fowl, eggs, nuts, seeds, lots of vegetables, green vegetables, colored, colorful vegetables, a little bit of fruit, then, then I'm never going to get an excessive amount of carbohydrate, no matter how, how much I try to eat. And if you do eat that way, you'll find that you don't even need to eat that or want to eat that, yeah. that much food anymore. And that's, that's the really the most freeing part of this whole thing is, is, is finding out how little food it takes you to feel satisfied, not get hungry, have, have energy throughout the day, never get sick, maintain muscle mass and all the things you want. You brought it up earlier, but I know you're a former or current uh, endurance athlete and you were in college and I know you did some Ironmans and triathlons. Um, and, and now you have the primal endurance podcast, correct? Yes. And so, yeah, what, so, yeah. So, so, um, ironically over the last 20 years, I haven't competed much at all. Um, I've, I've maintained a certain amount of endurance capacity through very selective workouts and through becoming good at burning fat. Huh. So, so that's, so you didn't do like distance training at all? No. So I haven't, it's kind of funny because I haven't run a mile in, I don't know. 13 years. Wow. So but, but can, I, can you go out and still do like the Ironman or triathlons? No, no, no. I have no, first of all, oh. I have no interest in doing those. Okay. I have zero interest in doing those. That was a different part of my life. Um, in order to, to, to get into that mindset, I would have to do some Jedi mind shit. So I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't access that part of my brain anymore. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I have, I, like I say, I, I spent most of my life, um, as an endurance athlete, not really having a lot of fun, but you know, in, enduring challenge and maintaining uh, a, a certain amount of pride in how fit I was, but I really couldn't say I was having fun. So I look for opportunities to have fun now. Well, I've, I've been writing about chronic cardio and how dangerous it is for people for the last 10 years. And, and yet people say, but Mark, I still want to do a 10 K. I want to do a marathon. I want right. to do a triathlon. How can I do that? So this is how the primal blueprint uh, endurance podcast came about and, and a new book primal endurance coming out in the, in the next couple of months is, okay, if you're going to do this, then let's do it in a way that supports your health, that allows you to, to, to get the even better results than you would have had under the old methods, but doing with less work, more specific work, with reconfiguring your diet so that you become good at burning fat, and, while, and so that you have fun while you're doing it along the way. So that was really the impetus for the, the podcast and the book. Okay. And people find that on <laughs> iTunes. How often are you doing the Primal Endurance podcast? Uh, once in a while Once in a so, while uh, yeah. Very specific posting schedule. Sounds like yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of work, huh? I mean, like it's uh, podcasts yeah. are their own beast. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like to have uh, on that. We want to have, you know, more of the uh, people who are guests who are actually doing sort of low carb uh, s- training strategies and having the results. Uh, so it's, you know, it, there's only so much I can say in one podcast. And it's basically, right. okay, that's all you need to know. Right. So we're sort of looking for, um, you know, people who are actually out there using the information and having tremendous results with it. Okay. And then um, other resources, obviously, Mark's Daily Apple is a huge one. And uh, the Primal Blueprint and the Primal Connection is the latest one. And you got some cookbooks mixed in there as well? I got three cookbooks. Uh, I got the Primal Blueprint 21-Day Total Body Transformation. So I got uh, all manner of different ways you can hear this information and have it resonate with you or not. 
right. uh, you know, to your, to your heart's content. And then most recently we introduced, uh, this, uh, primal kitchen mayonnaise, which is just killing it. It's just, uh, you know, we're all over the country now in whole foods and, and, uh, online at Mark's daily apple or at ThriveMarket.com. Um, and that's just paleo mayonnaise It's made with avocado oil and, and uh, organic eggs and tastes just like mayonnaise, but it's, it's, it's healthy. So the more you put on your food, the more healthful the food becomes. I never used mayonnaise in the past, but like, is that a pretty stay away from product? It, it, that's the product. It's been sort of, this has been, mayonnaise has been the holy grail of paleo because without mayonnaise, you can't make egg salad. You can't make, you know, tuna salad. Yeah. Now resistant starch, you can make potato salad. Um, but you couldn't do that before because mayonnaise is so nasty. All the stuff that you find in the stores is so ridiculously full of, you know, canola oil or soybean oil or nasty sugars or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so this is truly the first real paleo mayonnaise that people can can um can and can use with reckless abandon and have it be good for you they can drink the stuff put it in their smoothies and, and, and people do people tell oh, me that they're eating it by the by the spoonful right out of the jar oh man so, yeah. that, that always grossed me out i saw in costco they were selling like a two gallon thing of mayo and i was just thinking like who who eats that much mayo before it goes bad uh and i don't know eat it with the a, lot spoon of this, or a lot of the mayo doesn't go bad because of all the nasty crap that's in it so True. Our, ours you know it's it's a shelf stable unopened for a year but when obviously once you open it in the refrigerator you, you know we want you to use it within uh you know within a month but yeah. most people we use it within a couple of we have people on a on an auto ship three pack once a month for mayonnaise at my company so it's intense stuff man okay That's so whole foods if i go there i'll find it yeah most whole foods we're, we're, we're in about 100 of the of the 365 seattle one seattle yeah. one are they carrying it yeah uh, yeah pacific northwest yeah nah, yeah that's where we're at yeah awesome mark uh, i want to respect your time get you out of here but uh thanks for coming on the show 